do love stickers like me? Good, I'm not the only one. Did you know that Oh Beloved One has a monthly sticker subscription? For just $6 a month, you can get an exclusive sticker designed by me and a little postcard in the mail with a special note. I'm gonna be including like what I'm learning in my devotions or just a little life update for you guys. Um, so make sure that you grab that over at the Oh Beloved One website. That's obelovedone.com slash shop. Just look for the sticker subscription. Welcome back to the O oh Beloved One podcast. My name is Amanda Brown, and I am the founder of O oh Beloved One, a blog, podcast, and magazine for Christian girls. We create visually stunning practical resources that aid young girls in taking their next step for Jesus. And this podcast is just one of those ways that we do it. So if this is your first time here, thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you, and I hope that this is a huge blessing in your life. We are currently going through the book of Ecclesiastes, so today we're going to be talking about chapter 5, which means that there are four other episodes before this. You do not have to go back and listen to these in order. Um, These don't really build on each other chronologically, but after this, if you want to go back, I would love for you to listen to the previous episodes, and if you are a long-time listener, hello. Thank you so much for listening again. That means the absolute world to me that I can be recording something from California and, you know, someone from uh, back home in South Carolina or maybe in Texas or Canada or even Scotland could be listening. So that is just a such a cool way to be used by God. So as I said, today we're going to be talking about Ecclesiastes 5. So let's just dive into this. So I'm going to start reading the verses. Um, so the first verse talks about, it says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. So, whoa, I remember reading this verse and thinking, I don't, like, usually I feel like when I read the Bible, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm familiar with this. I remember reading this. But when I read this verse, every time it's just like, oh my goodness, I forgot that there was a specific verse that said this, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. We should not attend church hastily, thoughtlessly, or unprepared. And I think here it's it's talking about um, sacrificing, but I think here it's talking a lot about, like, not just going to church, okay, to, like, check it off your list. And I know I do this so, so often. I told myself when I moved to California, things were going to be different. I really wanted to, you know, wake up at, like, 6 in the morning and pray and then do a really long Bible study. And then I wanted to you know, make waffles and turn on worship music and get ready for the day. Does this happen? No. (laughs) And I told myself, you know, but when I was home, I was like, if I were out on my own, I would totally do this, but I can't do this because like, you know, if I wake up at six, I'm going to wake up everyone else in my family. But then I move out here and I do it. No. And I, I don't think you have to wake up at six in the morning and pray for an hour and then do, you know, devotions for an hour. I don't think that's necessarily what you have to do. But I do think that we should take going to church seriously. So maybe that means when you're on the way to church, you know, pray. Pray that God would uh, bless you and give you something that you can carry throughout the rest of the week. Pray that he would open up your eyes to any sins. I sometimes feel like the most blind person in the world. Like, I'm just coasting along thinking I'm doing fine, and then one thing happens, and I break down, and I realize, oh, okay, this is just like a massive, you know, eight-car pile-up in my heart because there's all these sins that I haven't been 
trying to take before God and they've all just kind of clumped together into this giant snowball of a problem. Also for me, um, it's not that like I don't watch movies period on Sunday, but I've, I've started this routine that I actually really like. And it's as soon as I wake up, I turn on like a a Christian podcast, but one that's not so much practical. It's almost more like a sermon. And I mean, if I do have a sermon that I've been wanting to listen to, I listen to that. Um, or I listen to my Christian music as I'm getting ready for the day. Um, and then as I'm driving to church, I listen to Christian music. I just think it really sets the tone for the day. Um, I come from a big-ish family. It depends on how many siblings you have, but I have four siblings and then my two parents. So I was used to it always being really, really loud because I have three brothers. So all that to say, I do like having some level of noise um, in my mornings. And usually, you know, I'll listen to a podcast or a YouTube video. But on Sundays, I really, really make an effort to consecrate the day and just, just have it so that it's different and set apart from any other day and that as I'm getting ready for church even then my heart is being prepared to worship God um I love listen last night I was going to go to bed and I got distracted and I just started playing the ukulele and like just singing to Jesus and that was so so sweet so maybe in the afternoons you want to do that or maybe in the evenings um and like I said it's not like I don't watch movies at all on Sunday but I am very very careful to at least start out the day on a very, very sacred and holy note to just get myself in that right spot. Uh, I remember my pastor preaching a sermon on this, and it literally changed my life. He said, you know, on Saturday nights, which is actually funny, tonight I'm actually doing something that's going to be a little late, but, like, I, I told myself I'm going to go to church tomorrow. Um, but anyway, usually um, I do not do things on Saturday night, especially, well, not just especially, but if they're going to be really, really late, I don't, I try not to do them just because, you know, you don't want to wake up and say, well, I stayed out late last night, so I'm not going to go to church. Like, don't give yourself any reason to not go because goodness knows we will take that reason. Uh, the Bible says to draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they are doing evil. This continues the theme. Don't sacrifice hastily or improperly. So you know how sometimes we make God promises? We're like, okay, I'm not going to do this ever again. Or God, I'll do this if you do this. Or God, I will do this. Like before we just say that, or even I remember when I was little, I would literally like promise. And then I, I don't, we should be really, really careful about what we promise to God because he holds to his promises. Goodness knows he does. And most of the time we end up failing. So let's be careful about our hastily made, you know, promises and sacrifices. You know, if you're, if you leave church and you're just in a real, you know, spiritual tizzy and you're like, God, I'm going to wake up at six in the morning every day this week. I promise you. Like, how about instead you just say, God, you know me, I know my infirmity, and that I will want to talk myself out of doing this. Can I just pray that you would give me the strength to tomorrow? Just give me the strength for tomorrow to wake up 30 minutes earlier and pray. Like, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be all in your own strength. It doesn't have to be all your own idea or all your own power. Um, just don't make things hastily like that. The Bible goes on with, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. 
for a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. So I, I'm an introvert, but I don't really struggle talking. Like, honestly, this is weird. Um, public speaking doesn't really scare me. I mean, when it was for a grade, yes, or if it was for a topic that I didn't know about, um, and I'm sure if it was something that really, really mattered and someone asked me to get up to speak, I would be nervous, but all in all, I, I don't mind talking in front of people, and I do tend to talk way too much. I mean, I have a podcast, and I sit in my room by myself and, you know, speak for 40 minutes, so I don't really struggle speaking. And I love this verse because it's just God reminding us that we don't always have to talk. Um, I, I wonder if I wrote this the other day or something, but no one has ever learned something by talking. Like, if you have a, um, a survivor of the Holocaust in front of you, and you are just to, you know, have the gall to sit there and talk at them for 45 minutes. When you leave, you will know nothing about their lives. If you let them talk for 40 minutes, you are going to go away with a wealth of knowledge and empathy and insight. You might cry. Your life might be changed. So when the option presents itself, we should always try to listen instead of speak. And this is super hard for me because I always have all of these thoughts, uh, whether they are deep or not, and I just want to talk. I, I love, I really do love talking. I love a good one-on-one -on -one conversation. And so I really have to guard myself and be careful and notice this. And even, um, I think this applies to prayer. Obviously, it is a um, conversation, but it's not a conversation as how we would think in that, you know, I can't just sit there and listen to God. But listening to God looks like reading his word. Um, and not listening to God might look like just kind of praying, but it's more like it's more like complaining to God or giving a daily report of what you did and what you need. You know, like you can talk at God. Um, and especially if we are really blind to our own sin and we are not in a right relationship with God right now, we'll be totally blind to the fact that our sin has separated us from God for the time being and we really need to get on our knees and ask him to forgive us. Verse 4 says, when you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. And we actually were talking about this. Um, if you can't guarantee something 100%, then don't bother. Um, this, this applies to people or to God. Um, we already kind of went over this. Let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. We love listening to ourselves talk, don't we? Um, it says, words grow many, there is vanity. We, even if it's that you don't necessarily like talking, you're listening to yourself talk all day long, right? Like in your thoughts. Uh, we tend to elevate our own opinions and minds above other people. And God says, no, no, like listen to other people. Don't elevate yourself. Fools do that. Don't be hasty to speak. Don't be hasty to make promises. Just guard your words. God knows how dangerous words are. So now the passage kind of turns from this speaking about words and 
hastiness and being foolish to a little a little different passage. Let's read about it um, instead of me just ruining the surprise. So it says, if you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, my goodness. I mean, it kind of makes me laugh sometimes when people say, wow, like, this is so, so true for now. I mean, honestly, America is just very, very different. We kind of live in this bubble and there's been this overarching, like, we're okay, the world is fine thing because America is very different in that way. But I mean, I, I dare say for the majority of well, all of human history, actually. Um, in a province, there has been oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness because that's the world, and that's how things are, unfortunately. The poor get used, and justice is violated, as is righteousness. But this verse says, Do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher God, and there's yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. We shouldn't be shocked by evil. There's going to be oppression, violation of justice, unrighteousness. It doesn't mean that we have to, you know, accept it or let them walk all over us or that we don't seek to make things better. But, I mean, even like the things that we're seeing in our lives, I keep swapping between saying this is craziness and then thinking, well, honestly, this is just probably the way that like everyone else lives. We're just finally getting a taste of it here in America. However, we need kings who care about taking care of their people. It says here, um, a gain for land is a king who is committed to cultivating fields. There's no promise that we will always have kings committed to cultivating fields, Goodness knows why, but some moments in history, there are men that rise up and they're actually great at being a king. Most people are just terrible. Most people just want power and get it and realize they don't know what to do with it. And they just absolutely abuse it and hurt other people with it. And in a way, it's beyond me. But also, I always have to circle back and say, well, it's honestly because of sin. Sin is deep-rooted into the heart's of mankind and it leads to so many sin problems and those thorns of sin choke out any you know humanity and I almost want to say it chokes out the image of God in us yes we are always all of us are the image of God but the further people stray from God the more animal like they are and the less like God is I mean just think about all these things that God is holy righteous just loving, merciful, and the farther that people stray away from that and therefore the image of God, the less they are like the image of God and the, the more they reflect, like I said, animals, the more they reflect Satan. It's, it's really, really sad. Uh, this is something that young adults should read. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. Um, obviously, money doesn't satisfy, but the thing is, we need money to survive. It's kind of like food. Food can't satisfy, but we technically need it to survive, therefore we elevate it among other needs, and here in America, it can actually become a an idol. It really can, of course, um, because it it's a means to get other things that we want, the, the money at least. 
uh, when good is when goods increase, the Bible says, they increase who eat them. And what advantages has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. So with more stuff comes the disappointment of stuff. The more stuff you have, the more stuff you have that could be lost. Um, I believe, yeah, I, I think that's a psalm or a proverb, something about how a rich man has so much and yet he barely can sleep at night because he's so stressed that he's going to lose everything. And the poor man hardly has anything, but he gets a good night of sleep because he doesn't have anything that he could lose. Um, the world is all about getting and God and his people are all about giving, right? God will provide everything that we need. I, I've had to throw this back and trust God so many times. Um, with my own personal worries, you know, worries are just, worries are just predictions of what you think will happen, and you're living in the present reality of that possibility, which, if you put it that way, it honestly sounds insane, because it's like, okay, I mean, maybe there's a 50-50 chance of this, maybe there's a slightly higher chance, but at the end of the day, does it matter, because God's will is going to be done, and oftentimes, he wants to bring us through those Red Sea moments where we have to absolutely trust him for everything, which is terrifying and nobody really wants to sign up for that. But he does it anyway because he knows that those things refine us and they give us stories to tell other people and encourage them by. I do love this part about, you know, the, the rich man can't sleep because his stomach is full. Um, I think it's important to work hard so that we can appreciate and deserve the food that we're eating if this makes sense so like I don't know it, it can be a verse 13 says there's a grievous evil that I've seen under the sun riches were kept by their owner to his hurt and those riches were lost in a bad venture and he is father of a son but he has nothing in his hand as he came from his mother's womb he shall go again naked as he came and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand this also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and much vexation and sickness and anger. This is very negative. I feel like throughout this whole book, I keep saying negative. Honestly, Solomon's just being, you know, honest and, and dealing with his feelings. And sometimes if we sit down and say these things that we're thinking, it's absolutely shocking. But don't we think this sometimes? Like, wow, I am doing all this work. And, like, I, I know ultimately that nothing is going to satisfy me, so why am I working? I know ultimately that I'm going to heaven and I can't bring everything. So why am I working so hard for these things? It can be really, really frustrating. And we work so, so hard for these things and then we end up dying and we don't get to, you know, quote-unquote fully enjoy what we could have with these things. And so Solomon switches, though. He becomes a little bit more positive and comes to his thesis, I guess, of this, this chapter. Behold what I have seen to be good and fitting. So this is what Solomon says. Well, you know, at the end of the day, like, we're not going to bring anything to heaven, but here's what we can hold on to. Um, it is fitting to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil which one has under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. 
This is the gift of God. Wow, so much to unpack here. So at the end of the day, what is good is to exist and to enjoy the existing, right? So we eat our food. We drink. I I love coffee. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm like going through this podcast thinking after this, I'm going to make a cup of coffee because it's 10 in the morning. I'm, I'm already like, all right, I'm done. Um, and then we also find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun. Now, for you, maybe this is schoolwork. Um, for me, this is, you know, all the things that I do for Oh Beloved One. And then, of course, my actual work, work job. Um, find joy in it. I know that that's not always super, in fact, I think the majority of the time this is not super easy. But I just think how amazing it is that we get the opportunity. Those of you, you know, you get the opportunity to go to school, to learn. Those of us who are working, like, it is such a blessing to have a job right now. Oh, my goodness. Um, and maybe your job is you really, really are enjoying it. I personally have been very blessed, and I, I absolutely love my job. And I come home at the end of the day and feel like I've done something good for the world because I work for a nonprofit. Um, and so, you know, toil. I, I love this thing. Um, someone, someone said, Adam was working in the garden before the fall. Uh, work is not, work is not part of the curse. It's the, um, substance of the work, if I may put it that way. It's the, the attributes and the qualities of the work because it's harder now and there's dirt and there's sweat and there's tears and blood and it's not always going to be enjoyable. Like I said, most of the time it's not enjoyable. But work in and of itself is not a curse. God knew that we needed, you know, to do something, to feel like we are living a well-lived life, that we are doing something worthwhile. And so that's why he gave us work. And then everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them. This is the gift of God. I love this. So not all of us in our lives will have wealth. Not all of us in our lives will have many possessions. Not all of us will have the power to enjoy them. So maybe this is, you know, the capacity like health or time here on earth or um, time away from work to enjoy these things. But if you, if God chooses to bless you with wealth or possessions or the power to enjoy them, enjoy them. Rejoice in this because this is a gift of God. Wealth is a gift of God. Possessions are a gift of God. Not to say that people who are not wealthy or do not have possessions are not blessed by God. God knows what each person needs. And for some people, it may be more of a stumbling block to have wealth. God may know that you are going to, at the end of the day, be happier and a better person if you are not super wealthy. I mean, sometimes I wish I had started a TikTok. Someone told me that there's a TikTok of someone just records their parents' tortoises. Their parents have had tortoises for over 10 years, and this person just records them. And she's making thousands of dollars on TikTok. And I can't help but wonder, you know, during quarantine, why didn't I start a TikTok and just go viral or something, you know? And now I'm rolling in the dough. Apparently, that wasn't God's plan for me. Apparently, I wasn't supposed to go viral on TikTok, and that's okay. Um... Verse 20 says, For he will not much remember the days of his life, because God keeps him occupied 
with joy in his heart. This is beautiful. Can I read that again? For he will not, and this is the person, um, for he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. At the end of the day, these circumstances do not matter. The little nitty gritties of life, the annoyances, the trials, the tears, the pressures, the, you know, after school hobbies, the, the soccer practices that you have to bring your little brother to. At the end of your life, your goal is to instead just remember the joy. God keeps us occupied with joy. This is, this is all of life. Life is hard. I, I say this all the time. The, the, the essence of being an adult is realizing that life is hard, but you're going to do it. Life is hard, but it's doable. So the essence of being an adult is realizing that life is hard, but you're going to do it. The essence of being a Christian is that life is hard, but you're going to do it through the power of God. And at the end of the day, and I like to believe that this verse means in heaven. You know, like, we won't, I, I will not remember all my little infinitesimal, I can never say that word, but I love it, infinitesimal um, problems here on earth. I will not remember those. I really don't believe I will. Perhaps when we're, you know, given the report by God of how we did in life, we will remember for that few moments. But then we will just, the only thing we will remember is how good God was because he gave us the joy and he occupied our hearts with that. I think of 2 Corinthians 4 where Paul is, I don't want to say at the end of his rope, but when I was reading that verse, I was at the end of the rope, so I applied it to myself. And Paul says, you know, we are surrounded on every side. We are cast down but not destroyed, persecuted. We are um, struck down. So many things. But it's all okay because we are doing this so that we can be transformed into the likeness of Christ. And our hope is that one day we will have perfect bodies that do not decompose or get sick or fail us. We are looking towards the hope of a new body and ultimately the hope of heaven with God. And that is the joy that occupies our soul. And that's the thing that I always have to reset on and refocus on. I have to say, Amanda, no, no. Stop thinking about here and now. Refocus on God. Whether that means, which it should, praying and asking God to help my unbelief. Whether that means stopping and just thinking, God, that I am on my way to heaven and that heaven is so much bigger. I mean, 2 Corinthians 4 says that the glory of heaven is beyond all comparison. Like when we get there, it's going to be like, oh my goodness, life was so much worth it. Like I, I could go back and do my life over 50 times knowing now what glories and heaven had awaited me. And I had such a small view of heaven beforehand. And now I'm finally here in God's presence and it's all worth it. I love this verse. That's um, Ecclesiastes 5.20. He will not much remember the days of his life because God kept him occupied with joy in his heart. I pray that whatever situation that you're in, you will ask God to occupy you with joy in your heart. This is what sets us apart. This is what sets us apart from other people, right? Most people in situations that we would be in would be bitter they would be negative, they would hold themselves off, they would just give in to, you know, lifelong depression, but we are different. We are called to a higher purpose, and we have divine help. 
when it comes to the trials of life. And therefore, we can do this and we can show people joy and they'll think, oh my goodness, how is she going through this with a smile on her face? I mean, I do this. I, I joined a church, what, two months ago now? Maybe a month ago? And the people there, I, I hardly even know them yet, but they talk about their prayer requests. And some of the things that people are going through, it's absolutely awful, but the smiles on their faces... You just, you literally look at them and you see Jesus and you see the Holy Spirit just giving them joy and peace. And you have to just, I, I, I sometimes I wish I could see, you know, a Christian through the eyes of an unsaved person. Like, how do, how do we look? Can they see that joy and how it's different? Um, I, I asked a friend when we went to church if she could tell uh, that, if it looked to her like the people's faces on the stage were glowing when they sang. And she said, yes. And I really truly believe that joy makes our faces glow. Joy and God's presence in our lives, it changes our demeanor. And people can see that and say people see that. Um, and it's all going to be worth it in the end. So that's the end of Ecclesiastes 5. Um, we'll be talking about Ecclesiastes 6 next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you hop over to our Instagram page at beloved.magazine. We post fun content there. I posted, um, a couple ways that you can be preparing for Easter, actually. It's one of my most favorite graphics I've ever made. Had a really cool gradient with some, um, noise and, anyway, I'm getting all technical. And I also just posted a couple of ways that you can plan an Easter picnic I, I'm actually going to be going out to brunch, so I feel kind of hypocritical in this. No, just kidding. But, um, if you want to do an Easter picnic, you could really be a blessing to people. So again, hop over to at beloved.magazine, um, and make sure that you're on our email list. You can get that by going to obeloved1.com, and there's a ton of buttons on the front page that will help you sign up for the mailing list. The mailing list is great because you get an email reminder on um, Mondays or Tuesdays. We're kind of playing around with the day, but once a week you get a email reminder about this podcast as well as new content that we have, new releases, um, maybe an old blog post or two products, things like that. Um, and you can stay in contact with us if, you know, things start to go south. We will still be able to email you and keep you guys up to date. Um, as you go through life being occupied with joy in your heart by the God above, I just pray that you will remember that you are so beloved. <laughs>